Kristen, hello. Have you seen the wedding dress photos? Oh my god. Um, James, what are you talking about? We don't actually know what the wedding dress is going to look like yet. We do not know okay. what Megan's going to wear. It's not been revealed. I know, but Entertainment Weekly have released sneak peek photos from Megan's character Rachel getting married on the season finale of Suits, and they're amazing. They don't show her face, but she's a vision of beauty from behind. And if you squint a little bit, Kristen, <laughs> you you can pretend that they're in St George's Chapel and that Patrick J Adams is actually Harry. Plus, oh my God, my hair prayers have been answered. There's not a messy oh, bun in sight. My God. Pre- Stop it. Stop it, James. So first of all, you totally tricked me. And second of all, you brought back the messy bun again. Okay, but big question. Was Wendell Pierce at least the one walking her down the aisle? Yes. Good. And I would be very happy with that happening in real life, too. Oh, my God. I I would die. I would die. We love love Wendell Pierce. Okay. Same. Well, enough of this talk of the fake wedding. Let's get to the real wedding. You're right. I'm James Barr, a ginger, royal-loving Harry fan in the UK. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, a lifelong royals enthusiast based in the US, and you're listening to When Meghan Met Harry, a royal wedding cast. In each episode, we examine the latest news about the wedding, we do a deep dive into a pressing issue about our fave royal couple, and finally give our predictions for what we think will happen at the wedding. Shall we get into this week's headlines, James? I think you can tell that I really can't wait. Let's messy bun (laughs) and get this episode done. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you. I really I prepared that in advance. (laughs) I think we need more rhyming. That is so good. (laughs) I'm going to do that every week now. Good. I'll take it. Did you see the news? This weekend, the BBC reported that Meghan and Harry have chosen their florist for the big day. Yes, and I am so pumped about this. The floral arrangements will be done by London-based Philippa Crodick. She will be creating the displays for St. George's Chapel and St. George's Hall. The BBC writes that they will use flowers and plants that are in season and blooming naturally in May when possible. And that includes branches of beech, birch, and hornbeam. And for the flowers, white garden roses, peonies, and foxgloves. Did you hear that? Boom! Peonies! Peonies. Yes! Yes. Do you remember our (laughs) prediction from episode 11? We said that Megan's bouquet will feature peonies because they are her favorite flower. Now, we don't actually know for sure what the bouquet is going to hold yet, so don't start taking shots already. (laughs) Save that for the big day. Oh, too late. I'm already drinking. No, put the gin down. But it does look very likely that peonies will make it into the bouquet. Yes. Also, Town & Country writes that these beautiful, seasonal, sustainable arrangements are going to do even more good because after the wedding, they'll be donated to local charities. It's unlikely her royal bouquet will be included in that donation, though, since traditional holds that she sends it to Westminster Abbey to be laid on the grave of the unknown soldier. The tradition was started in 1923 when the Queen Mother sent her bouquet there to honor her brother who was killed in World War One. Oh, shivers. Shivers. And one last note on the flowers. Harry and Meghan are also apparently inviting bees to the wedding. Refinery 29. <laughs> I hate it. Refinery 29 have reported that the Royal Gardens will supply some pollinator-friendly wildflowers to attract the little insect bee friends. I do love how environmentally friendly this whole flower plan is, but I would freak out. I hate bees oh, so much. Oh no, nothing to Save freak me. out about. Save the me, bees Harry. bees are our friends. Oh, it's so good. The bees, the locally sourced seasonal flowers. 
I just love it. This is going to be the best, most perfect wedding ever. Oh, it already is. I mean, just what few details we have, we know it's going to be the best wedding ever. Next up, a sort of follow-up to our interview with James Wharton from last week's episode. The Telegraph have reported on all the ways the military are to be involved in the big day. Yes. The Ministry of Defense announced that more than 250 men and women will be lining the streets during the wedding. And here's a little more detail on who's going to be there on the big day. The household cavalry with gleaming breastplates and plumed helmets. I really enjoyed saying plumed helmets. Will line the staircase at St. George's Chapel. Members of the Windsor Castle Guard from the 1st Battalion Irish Guards and Armed Forces personnel from Royal Navy small ships and diving where the Prince is the Commodore in Chief. And the Royal Marines, where Harry is Captain General, will also be lining the streets within the precinct of the castle. And the 3rd Regiment Army Air Corps will also be represented as Prince Harry served as an Apache pilot with this regiment. And the Royal Gurkha Rifles, his comrades in Afghanistan, will be present, plus the RAF Honington, which he served as Honorary Air Commandant. Finally, there will be musical support thanks to the band of Irish guards. And as James Wharton mentioned last week, there will be a captain's escort by the household cavalry. Oh, that's going to look so majestic. It's going to look fantastic. You know, I'm so excited now. I was excited when we started this podcast, but I cannot breathe. I'm so excited now. It's so good. And Wharton, if you've not already listened to last week's episode, last week's episode with James Wharton was so amazing. It was so good. Yeah. Yes. And I just, I have to point out, we already said it last week, but Harry really stood up against homophobia when he was in the military. And I just, I love him even more for what he did there. Same. I just, I think I just it just shows him. his character so well. You can see yes. why Megan loves him. Yes. Uh, finally, loads of you have written in asking us to dress down Andrew. Morton, the author of a new biography of Meghan Markle called Meghan, a Hollywood Princess. Morton is the British journalist who first revealed details of Princess Diana's failed marriage to Harry's father, Prince Charles, in Diana, her true story in her own words, back in 1992. But for us, as a podcast that adores Meghan and Harry, and we know all of you do too, this book just feels kind of wrong. Yeah, I mean... Morton makes a lot of ridiculous claims about Megan in this book. Everything from she needs to learn how to drink tea properly to blah, 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 blah. We're not even going to get into it. We're not going to get into it. In fact, we have a legit author who knows Harry and the Royals personally, and we're going to talk with her in this week's Deep Dive rather than waste any more oxygen on you. Woo! Snap, 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 snap. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be back with this week's Deep Dive, and I can't wait to hear from our author. And we're back. And James, this week, I have an interview to share with you and all the listeners. It's with Katie Nickel, author of Harry, Life, Loss, and Love. It is such a good book. I'm so jealous that you got to chat with Katie, but I'm very excited to hear everything from her mouth. Well, without further ado, here it is. Joining me now is Katie Nichol, the best-selling author of the new biography, Harry, Life, Loss, and Love. She's a royal expert and regular contributor to the Mail on Sunday and Vanity Fair. And Katie, thank you so much for being here. We're so excited to hear all about your expertise about Harry and his family. Hi, how are you? First things first, how did you get started 
reporting on the royal family? Well, quite by accident is the honest answer to that question. At the time I got involved with reporting on the royal family, I was actually a show business reporter. At the time, I think I was in my, must have been my sort of early 20s, and I got a big break on a national newspaper, The Mail on Sunday, and I was doing all the show business. And I happened to be at a party at the Kensington Roof Gardens, which is a very iconic restaurant in London, and, and, and it's very well known because... On the roof terrace, they have these beautiful flamingos. And I'd gone out to see the flamingos and to have a bit of a break. And I literally bumped into Prince Harry. He was he was standing in the doorway having a cigarette. And he looked at me and I looked at him and he said, hello. And I said, hello. And he said, well, would you like to come into my party? And I said, I'm sure it's going to be a lot more fun than the party I've just been at. And he laughed and said, well, come on in. And of course, it was an invitation I just couldn't. Turned down. No, you can't say no to that. I cannot I believe couldn't. it. Oh my god! I couldn't say no to Prince Harry, and so I went into this party, and it was a big space that he had, and I spotted. I sort of clocked immediately the protection officers who were sitting at a sort of a table sipping cokes on the outside of the the sort of the room, and in the main hub was was Harry and his friends, a lot of pretty young blondes, literally hanging off of Harry's every word. Hold on, I have to say you're a very pretty woman too. Do you think that's why he invited you to join his party? Oh no, don't. I'm not blonde. I'm not blonde. <laughs> Mind you, I, th- I was a lot younger then and probably had a lot less wrinkles. So who who knows? It was a really nice invitation and an amazing opportunity for me to get a glimpse into his life and and actually seeing him i mean he must have been seven about 17 at the time certainly he was at eton he was meant to be studying for his a levels and and instead here was this sort of gorgeous young red-headed prince the center of attention loving all of this blonde, beautiful female company, smoking Marlboro Lights like they were going out of fashion, knocking back vodka Red Bulls, not a, you know, not a, not a revision paper in sight. And I thought, oh, I think this is great. You know, I, I was really, I was quite taken with him. And I thought, what a cool prince, you know, what, what a cool guy. And he was, he was a charming host. He was absolutely lovely, very friendly, very kind. Is that how you first started getting access to the royal family then? Because your new book has amazing access to them. Well, the access has the access has has come sort of over the years, and is the result of forging very good sources, people who who know them, people who do really spend time with them, whether it's in a personal capacity or a professional capacity, but people who can really give me enlightening anecdotes and and information about them. So that that has come with time, but certainly that moment was for me. It was the catalyst for my career because I got this, you know, wonderful snapshot into his life and it really lit the touch paper for my career as a royal correspondent because, frankly, just like you would have been, I was I was intrigued, sort of, it's like he opened this window into this life and it was fascinating and I thought, you know what, I want to see this, at a, I, I want to see a greater panoramic shot of this and, and the royals at the time, you, you have to remember this was the best part of 10, 12 years ago. And they were very, they were very exciting at that time. William and Harry were often in and out of bougie. Lots of the nightclubs that I was going to, they were big on the polo scene, and I was always at polo. So yeah, I got amazing access to to them, to their inner circle. I remember once being at a party with Guy Pelly, who is one of their best friends, and it was, you know, it was all of Harry's crowd. And they said, okay, we know who you are, we know what you do, we know you're a journalist. If you can sit with us and have a drink and not report on what's going on tonight then 
you know, you're going to show your true colours. And I thought, well, this, I'm being tested here. I'm being tested to see if I can be trustworthy. And I sat in with them that night. I drank with them that night. And I never reported on anything that happened. And clearly it worked because then you ended up being the person who broke the news about Wills and Kate getting married in 2011. And you also are the one who revealed that Harry was going to propose to Meghan before it even happened. So... Yeah. I mean, well, I, I, I mean, listen, I, I, I did. And, and that's true. And on the um, William and Kate engagement front, I was just actually speaking with a with a colleague over at Vanity Fair. I mean, I had a book out at that time called William and Harry. It was 2010. A huge chunk of that book was all about William and Kate and their romance and their 10 year courtship and how it all started at St. Andrews. And in fact, I had that story before anyone else did that they were that they were dating at St Andrews. One of my friends had told me that they were secretly dating and it was all a ruse. You know, this living together in this townhouse in St Andrews was a ruse. They were much more than friends. They were very much a couple. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I've sort of broken a lot of scoops on, on William and Kate and their romance and, and similarly on Harry and Meghan. And what was so interesting was last summer, a friend of mine had been at the polo with Prince Harry, the polo match that he took Meghan to. The one where they were first spotted kissing? That's right. Uh-huh. And she was and she was with both of them and she just said to me, They're gonna get married. She said he he is saying that he wants to propose before his birthday. In fact he didn't. It was just after his birthday. But she told me that they he was planning to take her to Botswana, which he did. And um, I think that was the trip when he sourced the ring. So while he didn't actually pop the question in Botswana, he, you know, he sourced the ring and he knew it was it it was what he was going to do. So yeah. Um, well, I have to ask you, I, I mean, you have been following this family so closely for so many years. And you've seen Harry with a lot of different girlfriends during this time. How would yes. you say this relationship with Megan compares to, let's say, with Cressida or with Chelsea or any of the other girlfriends that he's been attached to? So most of my time charting um, Harry and Chelsea's relationship was in and out of nightclubs and it was always turbulent there was always a fight there was always a drama there was always passion there were always sparks flying so it was a very energetic tumultuous relationship Cressida he seemed more settled with she's very chilled I really like Cressida I've met, met her a couple of times she's a real boho um very relaxed easygoing girl and I think that sort of rubbed off on Harry and and he was quite laid back when they were together as well I've never seen him as happy as I've seen him with Meghan you know I I just noticed the spring in his step a smile on his face at engagements he just looked he just looked a lot happier with life and I think you know it was Harry who said that it was almost as if the stars were aligned when they met and everything I've learned about that first meeting is that you know, if there is such a thing as love at first sight, Harry and Meghan totally experience that. Oh, I just love that. I love it because from afar, I've never met them. I've seen Harry at an event once many, many years ago, but that was far away. I wasn't on a balcony with him or sitting in a party with him like you were. But from far away, when I see the pictures of Harry and Meghan together, it looks in the pictures as if there's just adoration and respect and love and sexiness and all sorts of things between them that is very passionate, but also in a grown-up sort of way. It doesn't seem like this is just a tumultuous passion. It seems that it's a grown-up version of himself and a grown-up version of love 
which I hope doesn't make it sound like I'm diminishing it in any way. No, I completely agree with you. And I don't think you are diminishing it. I think, you know, one of the most fascinating things about Prince Harry is that we've watched him grow from a a little boy who as a 12 year old lost his mother had to make that awful walk behind her coffin, which he said, has since said no child should ever have to make. Since then, we've watched him fall in love, we've watched him fall out of love, we've watched him come unstuck, we've watched him go to war. We've seen so many different versions of his life played out on this public forum, so many different stages of his life. And I do think that we are seeing we are seeing a true love affair. And, and he comes into it with two serious romances behind him. She comes into it three years older than him, 36, a woman of great experience, great intellect, one marriage behind her. You know, she has real life experience. And so I think this is grown up. I don't think there's any suggestion that this is just some passionate fling. You know, I think there's real depth here. There is clearly genuine chemistry and a love and a friendship and a connection. And I think one of the things that I was told when I was researching the book and I was speaking to people who had sort of knew about those early meetings, one person who was sort of very close to the whole Soho House thing said to me that it was very much immediate and they were sort of watching Harry basically fall in love. You know, he was totally smitten with Meghan. He, I think she bowled him over in so many ways. And someone asked me the other day, who is punching above their weight more? Is it Harry or is it (laughs) Meghan? And I said, in, in a funny kind of way, I think it's Harry because... He's he has met this incredible woman and, and he himself said that he knew the moment she stepped into the room he needed to up his game. And I think you look at him and sometimes he looks as though he can't quite believe his luck. Yeah. I mean she is so smart. She was already an ambassador. Even when she was a child, she was speaking out on feminist issues in the national press. And I mean, we all know she's very smart and also just drop dead gorgeous. I mean, she's a Hollywood star. She's Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. She is ambitious. She's driven. She sets her sights and her standards high and she achieves them. I spoke to quite a lot of people, some of her family, some of her sort of extended family, some of the people that had worked with her in Hollywood, who all said that she was, you know, if Megan, if Megan was determined to do something, she would do it. She was, she was that sort of person. And she, she has a great brain on her. I mean, you know, Harry, Harry has said himself that he's no real intellect. He's he said that he struggled with his Apache helicopter training. And I think he, I think he's loving being with someone who is so well read and so intellectual. I was told, and this is a nice little scoop for you guys, but I was told that over Christmas, when the Queen welcomed Meghan into Sandringham for the family Christmas, which was a complete break of protocol and tradition, you know, it was really bending the rules for Harry, that one of the people who was most impressed with Meghan was the Duke of Edinburgh. Really? I'm so surprised. Well, in Meghan, I think he found a young woman who was very intelligent, very well read and very well informed on on current affairs. She knew her history and he was really impressed with her. And I thought that was a very insightful little anecdote because of all the people to gel with Meghan, you might think it would be Kate or William or one of the younger generation. When in fact, it was the, you know, 96 year old Duke of Edinburgh who just thought she was a great intellect, a great brain probably knowing that Philip has an eye for the ladies, also a great beauty, which of course she is. (laughs) Well, I'm surprised by it because I guess I don't really think of Philip as being super modern. One of the things I uncover in the book, which, which I was not so aware of, was that 
after he split up with Cressida, he went through a really acute period of being terribly, terribly lonely. Um, you know, so much so that his friends were quite concerned about him. He he was pretty down in the dumps. His friends were in serious relationships or getting engaged or having children. And there was Harry, the eternal bachelor. And I think he was finding it very hard. He was finding it a struggle. And as his family, that must have been very hard to watch. Of course, William was settled down with Kate. They started their own family. They they were living largely in Norfolk. Charles and Camilla were living their own life in Highgrove. And so I think Harry at times felt felt quite lonely. So I think for the Queen and for his father to see him finally find someone who he was so genuinely happy with, I think it gave us something of a relief for them as well. Now, I do have to ask one question, which is a little bit gossipy, a little bit juicy. And there have been rumors circulating that perhaps Harry's exes will be at this wedding. Do you think that's true? I would be very surprised if Harry hadn't extended an invitation to both Cressida and Chelsea. I know that he's still in touch with both of them. I know that it's still a pretty cordial relationship, particularly with Chelsea. They have a lot in the past between them and a great friendship that has remained despite the relationship breaking down. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Chelsea at the wedding. I would be more surprised if Cressida turned up. Cressida has always really resented the media spotlight. She hated the spotlight that came with being Prince Harry's girlfriend. So I just don't think she would turn up at the wedding. I could be wrong, but that's my hunch. If you're going to see any of the exes there, it will more likely than not be Chelsea. Mm. Well, Katie, thank you so much for sharing your insights on all of this. Everything you know, I just cannot believe how much you know about this family. And I just, I love your books. I love your new book, Harry, Life, Loss, and Love. And we're thrilled to have you on the show today. So thank you so much for everything, Katie. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to join you. And I hope that your listeners enjoy the book. And, you know, we could always do a follow-up. Once people have read it, they've got questions, we can we can do another podcast. Oh, that would be wonderful. And maybe I'll see you at the wedding. I'll be out with the masses out on the well, streets cheering. You will. you will see me in Windsor for sure. Excellent. Thank you so much, Katie. My pleasure. Thank you so much. You can find Katie on Twitter at Katie Nickel, and you can buy her book, Harry, Life, Loss, and Love, to learn more about this incredible romance. Kristen, I have goosebumps. That was so amazing. I love the part where she talked about how the whole royal family was worried about Harry's future happiness and how they all, especially Philip, embraced Meghan and saw her as rescuing him. Oh, I'm drowning and breathing at the same time. This is real love. It's so good. (laughs) Oh, that's so brilliant. I need to get that book. Okay, we're taking a quick break, but we'll be back before you know it. And we're back with some listener mail. Now, each week we get loads of questions, predictions, and photos of corgi butts from you, our wonderful listeners. (laughs) Thank you for them. them. We love that we're obsessed. Um, And here's an email that caught our eye this week. Vicky writes Hi, guys. I found this article about the coat of arms that may be presented to the Markle family before the wedding day, and I found it very interesting. If I had to predict what the Markle family coat of arms would look like, I would bet it would have a bear on it to represent Meghan's home of California. I love this, Vicky. I could be wrong, but I think a bear would look regal and pay homage to her native country. I would love to hear your thoughts. Ugh. Thank you, Vicky, so much. We love this idea that there could be a bear on the Markle coat of arms. By the way, for listeners who do not know, 
a bear appears on the California state flag. It's walking on all fours. It's kind of a majestic brown bear. Love it. We should remind everyone how things went down with Wills and Kate, as that's the last time a bride without a coat of arms married into the British royal family. In that case, Kate's father was granted their familial coat of arms ahead of her marriage to William in 2011. Yes, the Middleton coat of arms featured three acorns, one for each child. That's, of course, Kate Pippa and James. And the acorns also signify where the Middletons are from, as there are a lot of oak trees in their area. The coat of arms also featured a gold stripe in honor of Kate's mother's maiden name, Goldsmith. So clever. P.S. Shout out to James uh, Middleton, who is super hot. Um, In the case... (laughs) In the case of the Markles, if there is a coat of arms, it will most likely be in the coming weeks that we first see it. And we hope, like with the Middletons, the Markle coat of arms harkens back to their family roots. And in Megan's case, California and bears. And maybe even some Northwestern purple. Hold on. Lindsay, our producer who went to Northwestern. Has literally crowbarred that in. Yeah, she put that in there because she and Megan Markle both are alum of Northwestern University in Chicago. I'm hoping Sleeping Beauty's castle from Disneyland might also make it into the Markle coat of arms. Oh, my God. What do God. you think? You are too cheesy. You're too no, cheesy. No, that could happen. I'm sure Harry was like, oh, um, I'm going to marry this woman called Meghan, and here's her castle. <laughs> she is. She's a princess. <laughs> okay, okay, back to facts. Back to facts. Yes, sorry. When uh, when Kate and Wills got <laughs> married, a conjugal coat of arms was made that brought both the family's coats of arms together. Uh, that came, though, two years after their wedding. So in the case of Harry and Meghan, it might not be until 2020 before we see their conjugal coat of arms, if there is one. Oh, I don't want to wait. I want to see it now. I want that coat of arms for the Markles, and I want that conjugal Harry and Meghan coat of arms because you know I'm going to make a t-shirt out of that. I'm going to make Give a t-shirt. I'm going to wear it all the time. Yeah. You are bear thirsty. Oh, um, yeah. I want a bear <laughs> on top of a unicorn because, you know, his coat of arms includes okay. a unicorn. What? Yes. I want a bear and a <laughs> that, unicorn. That seems very wrong, but okay, I'm here for it. All right. And now it is time for this week's Royal Wedding Prediction. Reminder, listeners, on the wedding day itself, we are going to release a bingo board slash drinking game. And every time one of our predictions comes true, you're going to check off that box and you're going to drink with us. And we're all going to be jolly and wasted and happy and tipsy and filled with love. So let's do it. Here's this week's prediction. And it's a doozy. Megan Markle is going to wear one of Princess Diana's tiaras when she walks down the aisle. News has spread. Princess Diana's relatives have offered Meghan the chance to wear one of Diana's own tiaras for the wedding. Yes. OK Magazine quotes a royal jewels expert named David Bader saying that this could break with tradition in the same way Diana broke with tradition, wearing the Spencer tiara, which is not part of the crown jewel collection, to her own wedding. Bader told OK it's an amalgamation of heirloom diamond jewelry that was repurposed into a tiara by Princess Diana's Spencer ancestors, an outer rim noble house that traces its ancestry to the Tudors. I'm sure Meghan has a lot of options for jewelry on the wedding day itself, but I can really see the symbolism of wearing Diana's tiara, and I know Meghan will want to do that for Harry. Absolutely. She's going to rock it, and she already has two of Diana's jewels in her engagement ring. Let's not forget that. Two of those diamonds are part of Diana's collection, so why not continue it with the tiara? I just think that having little touches that say Diana's part of this day, even though she's no longer with us, I think that's really important to Harry. I think it's important to Megan. I think it's important to the whole family. And it just adds 
some more emotion to the day, an already very emotional day, probably the most emotional day for the world, will just be that much sweeter with Diana's tiara. Though there was that weird story about Diana's ghost being invited along to the wedding. So oh, <laughs> those two psychic maybe she will ladies. Be there. We don't trust them. No, because the psychic ladies need to be there writing with their own hands Diana's words out. Yeah, they're just asking for a free invite to the wedding. Hey, royals, if you want to give free invites to the wedding, James and I will take them. We'll take them. All right, that's it for this week's episode of When Meghan Met Harry. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, and When Meghan Met Harry is produced by Her Royal Highness and Northwestern alum, Lindsay Cradwell. Thanks also to Baron Ryan Dilley, our producer in London. And as always, thanks to Andy Bowers, Archduke of Panoply. Do you have questions about the royal wedding? Any thoughts or predictions? Send us an email at whenmeganmetharry at panoply.fm or you can tweet us at at royalweddingpod and don't forget to subscribe, rate, leave us a review and tell all your hashtag Hagen watchers and Anglophiles. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer and my coat of arms would be Target Red and Christmas <laughs> Green and feature a delicious frozen margarita and, of course, a bear riding a unicorn. And I'm James Barr with a very loud ginger coat of arms which showcases my Melanocortin hyphen one and there'll be a little rainbow flag, Jesse Nelson from Little Mix and probably a naked Harry Styles. Oh my God, this is a very busy coat of arms. Very, very busy, James. <laughs> Don't come for my coat of arms, Kristen. <laughs> You've got target red. <laughs> Because it's perfect. It's perfect. And don't forget about the bear riding a unicorn. At least go with a Whole Foods green. Oh, I think that's enough of that. Hashtag Hagen forever. We love you all. Love you.